Well, no conference beats itself up like the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, covering the Big 12. He is Matthew Postens, our lead basketball writer, as we do each and every week. Thanks for being here on YouTube Live. If you're there, hit us up with that thumbs up at the bottom of the screen. Subscribe to the channel. YouTube, leave that five-star rating and review. We appreciate that. And then, of course, our radio affiliates. We always love you guys across the heartland. Well, Matthew, I'm looking at the Big 12 right now, and I'm only seeing nine NCAA tournament teams. UCF effectively took itself out of the race, it feels like, this week with a bad loss to West Virginia. And then Wednesday night, you had a pretty big stunner, not really based on how the Cowboys have been playing, but still a surprise with Cincinnati losing to Oklahoma State, with Cincinnati consistently being in Joe Lenardi's last four out. How do you see, let's start with the Cincinnati team. They needed this game on Saturday night, and they just blew it. What happened? Yeah, they, they really did need it. I I mean, they they played the way they normally play. It's a close game. They yeah. lose by single digits. In fact, all of their conference losses are by single digits. So it's not like they've been blown out of a game they've lost. I just kind of felt like, I think, I felt like Oklahoma State did more to win that game than Cincinnati did to lose. It was the second straight game. Oklahoma State had shot better than 50% from the floor. The young guys that we've been kind of waiting to come along are finally starting to come along. And, you know, late in the game, Cincinnati got in a bind, had to start fouling guys, and Oklahoma State made all their free throws. In fact, I think they missed one the whole night. So wow. it was yeah. really more, it was a really a little bit more about Oklahoma state. Now they've won two straight. They're now 22 and 14 after Valentine's day under Mike Boynton jr. For whatever that's worth. Um, mm. But if you look at the net rating after the game, Cincinnati dropped from 39 to 45, Oklahoma state went up nine points. So that was a quad three loss for Cincinnati. So that hurts them a little bit, but it didn't hurt their net rating quite as much as I thought it was going to given where Oklahoma State was in the net ratings going into that game. You know, um, you mentioned Mike Boynton and this Oklahoma State team, and I was talking about this over the weekend. I, I do feel like with Bryce Thompson going down, it put more of the pressure, maybe pressure is the wrong word, but it just put more on some of these younger guys. Yeah. And to their credit, they've stepped up. And I'm looking at Mike Boynton. We've talked about how hot his seat is. I think it's cooled off. I always thought, and we agreed, he was going to get next season. But now, I think he's definitely getting next season. I, I think he's got an opportunity to, you know, quote-unquote, play his way into next season. I was looking at ESPN a minute ago, and they put together their big hot seat article for uh, the, the stretch run. And they they described his job as either way. It's like a 50-50 at this point. So it's really going to come down, I think, to how they finish. Uh, Mike was really clear last weekend in an article in the Oklahoman about the fact that their NIL is falling behind pretty much everybody else in the conference, saying that he knows that 10 of 14 teams have at least a million dollars in NIL backing up their program where he only has about a half a million. Um, and, you know, I think it really boils down to can he keep this group together? That's been, I think, his biggest yes. problem the past few years. He knows how to recruit. He can bring in top 25 classes. It's about keeping these guys together for longer than one year and kind of bearing the fruit of their development. If he can keep these guys together and get one more year, I really feel like they have an opportunity to be a really good team because he, he recruited McDonald's All-America level players. It just shows you how hard it is to make that kind of an impact as a freshman. 
He had a great quote. I don't want to get too far into it necessarily, but you're right. The quote where he was talking about how recruiting is almost easier now because it's not recruiting in many yeah. respects. It's just mm -hmm. basically hand over the bag, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's not the only one that said that this week either. Uh, Johnny yeah. Menzel said it during an interview well, with Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, could have, could have, hey, all A&M had to do was pay him $3 million over two years, and he would have stayed two more years. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, All right. Yeah, it was illegal, but okay. <laughs> That's the only problem. It was illegal. Um, uh, as we look back on the week that was a big Monday, Houston beating Iowa State at home, 73-65. We knew that, you know, listen, both these teams are great at home. Iowa State's undefeated at Hilton this year. Houston's won 20 in a row at the Fertitta Center. I, I think that Houston was just too much. Both these teams are too much on their home court. The home court advantage is pretty damn impressive for Houston. They're a one seed, Matthew. Uh, they have been the most impressive team in the Big 12. Was there anything else that you really took out of that game on Big Monday? Well, I, I think Houston played the way I expected them to play. And Jamal Shedd had another fantastic game uh, yeah. for them. I think the thing that was interesting to me was Iowa State became the first team this year to play Houston at home and lose by single digits. Everybody wow. else who has played them at home this year has lost by double digits. Okay. I think it says a lot about Iowa State to be able to go in there and do that. But I think it also shows you there's there's a gap between Houston and everybody else right now. Maybe it's like this for Iowa State. Maybe it's like this for other teams. But there's a gap now between Houston and everybody else in this conference, even if there's just one game separating Houston from the rest of the league. Uh, you are um, absolutely right with that. I mean, you you can't argue that this is not the best team in this uh, league right now. Now, when you look at some of these other games, uh, BYU takes care of Baylor in a top 25 matchup at home on Tuesday night. Texas Tech um, hangs on, of course, for a thrilling 82-81 win against TCU. Uh, when you look back on those games in particular, is it really just jockeying for position or is there anything big picture you're taking out of these? I think if you're BYU, you're happy with where Khalifa's at right now inside. Um, he had a really good game against BYU. Didn't turn the ball over, excuse me, against Baylor. Didn't turn the ball over in that game. Um, I think, you know, they've been kind of waiting to see how their forwards, their inside guys would kind of take shape. And if he can yeah. play like this the rest of the way, that's going to give them a real boost just in terms of the way they play. With Tech and TCU, that was a jockeying for position game, absolutely. Because when you think about the fact that Tech won, they're now tied for third in the conference. You've got them, Baylor, and Kansas all playing to try and get those last two double buys in the Big 12 tournament. TCU is kind of effectively, wouldn't say they're out of that conversation, but that really hurt their opportunity to kind of get in that conversation. So, um, yeah, I just, I really, you know, it came down to the last possession. Jamie Dixon almost criticized the officiating down the stretch, but kind of walked it back, you know, and Big 12 has really scared the coaches in terms of all the fines and all yeah. this officiating talk this year. Oh, come on. With 25 grand, that's 25 bucks to you and I for some of these guys, Matthew. I, know. I, well, I was sweating the $25,000. <laughs> so um, I've got to ask you though, Texas Tech, I mean, Tech fans, tech basketball fans have for the last several weeks said that we have not given them enough credit. I, I you know, I think Texas Tech's a good team. Uh, they're on a good little run here. Um, you know, they blew out KU last week and they won three of four. And I think they're a good team. But, you know, I think sometimes they're streaky. And when you get to March, that can be hit or miss. It's not a knock on them. It's just it, it kind of depends what you get night in, night out. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at their their conference slate, and we've talked about how it, it's hard to build momentum. You know, they've, but they've kind of done it relatively speaking. Aside from that three game losing streak where they lost to TCU, Cincinnati, and Baylor in a row, you know, they they went they won four of their first five in conference before that stretch, and then they've won three of their last four. So yeah, if you're thinking of it from the standpoint of trying to build momentum in conference play, they've probably done a pretty good job of it, probably better than most in this conference. I think there's nothing really to me flashy about this team. You know, you know, if you think about their final four team, they had a lot a got several guys in that team that had a lot of flash to them, you know, in terms of the way they scored and the way they played. There's nobody in this team to me that's really kind of flashy outside of Pop Isaacs. I was going to say Pop has flash to him, right? But everybody plays their role on this team, and they do it very well. They're very fundamental. They're very – they have a very – they understand where everybody is on the floor in terms of spacing, in terms of defense, um, in terms of just, you know, executing the game plan. I, I. I mean, I think McCaslin's one of those guys you're thinking about for coach of the year, uh, just in terms of well, where where they were at the beginning of the year and where they are now. I did not expect them to be this good this year, if we're being honest. I was going to say, who is your front runner right now? Is it Grant McCaslin? And let's not forget, I'm going to give Tech credit. Their losing streak came when they had the flu bug going around this team. Mm-hmm. So who knows how that changes that stretch? I they're they're a good team. I you know I think they're in that second tier. I don't think they're Houston good. Um, Who's your coach of the year right now? Is it Kelvin Sampson? Is it TJ Otzelberger? Is it Grant McCaslin? I think those are the three guys you got to talk about right now. Who is it? I lean toward toward Otz and and McCaslin because Kelvin's done a great job, but this is what I expected. I didn't necessarily expect them to be in the lead with five games to go in the conference, but I expected them to be competitive, and they've met that expectation. Because Mm -hmm. I said before the season, Houston's already built like a Big 12 team, and you've seen it all year. Yes, the comp, the schedule and conference is more rigorous, but to me, this was not unexpected in terms of what Houston's doing right now. With Iowa State and Texas Tech, that's a little more unexpected in my opinion. Well, I I see what you're saying. I would go, especially if they win this game by uh, win this league by a couple of games. I'd go Kelvin Sampson because I think for a lot of us, it was like, all right, they're going to be in the mix, but if they more or less run away with this thing. I'd, I'd lean Kelvin, but I think you can make a great argument right now for any of these three guys. Uh, he's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is where you find us covering the Big 12 Conference. It's great to have him here. It is great to have you here as we roll through another show. Make sure you hit that thumbs up on YouTube. Subscribe to the show on the podcast. And of course, uh, thanks as always to our radio affiliates for being here with us on the show. So, Let's uh let's look ahead here, Matthew. Saturday, there is one ranked matchup in the Big 12. Some good matchups, but one top 25 matchup. It's the 11 a.m. game on CBS. Number two, Houston at number 11, Baylor. It's arguably the game of the week in college basketball. If Houston wins this, I don't see how they lose this league at that point. It would be hard, you know, if you sit there and you think about the fact that uh, they just beat Iowa State, they've got the one game lead. Now it could end up at a co-championship depending upon how things go down the stretch. Yep. Houston's got a pretty brutal stretch here with Baylor, Kansas to end the season. Um, but I mean, you know, Baylor, they've been really good at home, especially lately. Uh, they're one of those teams that has really built some momentum over the past few weeks. And Houston's going to play a different team than they played against Iowa State on Monday because of this 1-3-1 zone that Baylor plays. It 
has really changed their season. If you're thinking about one coaching move that has defined a team's season and made them better, it's Scott Drew going back to this 1-3-1 because it's really freed up his younger players to, to you know, anticipate, not have to worry so much about defending a person. They can defend an area, and they know what their assignment is. And I think it's actually saved them some energy on the offensive side of the floor too. They're scoring more points. They're executing better offensively. I think it's really kind of helped them on both ends. You know, we haven't talked about Kansas yet. They had a bye week this week, uh, the last week of bye weeks in the Big 12 where teams don't have to play a weekday game. But, uh, you know, they've got to host uh, Texas this weekend. And Kansas, they're sitting there at 8-5. and five. They're home. They're much better at home. We found out on Thursday that Kevin McCuller is questionable for this game. We know how much better this team is when he's on the court. So I, part of me feels like Texas or Kansas is limping towards – the finish line here because they need McCuller. They don't have a lot of depth. And if they want to make a run and you know, when we talk about a run with KU, that means final four or bust. They need him healthy. So does Bill self basically take his foot off the pedal here and make sure his guys are healthy or does he push a guy like McCuller to get in this game on Saturday to try to beat Texas? It's a good question because I think it starts with the severity of the injury. You know, how serious is Kevin McCullough's injury? I don't think we really know how serious it is because he he got hurt, came back. Now he's hurt again. Did he re-injure it? Is it lingering from the first time? Is this a different injury? They're kind of cagey about that. The fact that McCullough hasn't done anything this week from a practice standpoint worries me that he won't play on Saturday. But I think if you're Bill Self, maybe you have to make a quote-unquote load management decision at some point. Um, I mean, if you're looking at the standings right now and where they sit, like we said, they're tied for third, but BYU and TCU are a game behind them. And then beyond that, you're getting into that area where you've got to play the whole tournament, you know, you know, or at least from the second day of the tournament, which is something Kansas isn't really used to doing. They're usually, they're used to getting a buy the first yeah. day. Uh, and right now they're in position where they could get a double buy and not have to play until Thursday. So I think Bill Self's going to have to balance that for a little bit. I'd rather have a healthy Kevin McCullough for the tournament, personally. I agree. Because if you go back to their 2018 team that made the Final Four, that wasn't a terribly deep team, but they were healthy and they got hot at the right time and got to the Final Four and then lost to Villanova in the semifinals. So there's only so far they can go, but they've got to be totally healthy to get there. And they it cannot be a situation where something's out of place. If one little thing is is out of alignment with this team right now, they're not going to be successful. So if if I know the injury is severe enough that it's going to be something persistent from McCullough, I think I'd sit him. I agree, uh, especially at home. You know that home court advantage is real there. Uh, and, and by the way, you got the next couple of games at home for KU. They got Texas, home to BYU, and then a brutal stretch to wrap up the season for the Jayhawks at Baylor next Saturday home to K-State the following Tuesday, and then at Houston to wrap up the season. (laughs) I mean, you know, you look at the schedule for Kansas with the way they've been playing. I don't know. Two and three is not unrealistic. I I don't think it's likely, but if they went two and three, you wouldn't say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened, which puts them at 10 and eight in the conference. When's the last time KU went 10 and eight in the conference for crying out loud? I would have to research that, but it's probably been quite some time. Um, You know, they've been the standard for a long time. And and some of this is about their depth issues. Some of this is about their roster, but you know, I made this point a few weeks ago. Some of this is also about all these teams in the conference 
that have been building themselves up the past few years. They've been taking basketball seriously, trying to catch up to Kansas. And this year's kind of a combination of Kansas not having the depth they were thinking they were going to have. And some of these other teams that have been building and building and building now being highly competitive with them. Yeah. Well, um, the team that's on the bubble right now in this league is Cincinnati. We talked about them to start the show. Uh, they lost to Oklahoma state. I don't know if they're done. I mean, the big 12, you're never done because you have opportunities for quality wins. They got to go to TCU on Saturday, then to Houston. So, you got to at least split these games, Matthew, right? To get yourself back into the conversation. And if you think they're going to win at Houston, where Houston's won 20 straight, that seems awfully unlikely. So I feel like the, the Cincinnati season is on the line on Saturday. Yeah. I feel like they've got a, you know, you look at where they are now, 16 and 10, five games to go. Um, I feel like they've got to find two more wins somewhere uh, along the way here, be it 18. You're going to be playing the second day of the tournament get at least one more win that puts you about 19, 12, 19, 13. Maybe you can steal one in the quarterfinals, depending upon what your, your seating is. Because remember, like I said, all their losses in conference to this point have been single digits, put them on a neutral court with one of these teams. And I think it could be a really interesting game, but I feel like they've got to win at least two of their last five to have a chance. And then maybe if they can get to the semifinals of the big 12 tournament, that gets them to 20 wins. Then they can, then I think they could make a a case to get in. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And and I think that'll be a strong case in the Big 12. Let's wrap it up. I mean, you know, the, the other games this weekend, just so people know, West Virginia at Iowa State, not an incredibly compelling slate other than some of the games that we've talked about. BYU at K-State, Cincinnati at TCU, we just mentioned, Tech at UCF, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State and Stillwater, final Bedlam edition on the hardwood, unless the Big 12 tournament happens. And then uh, Texas at Kansas, which we've touched on too. Let me wrap up the show over the next couple of minutes with this. Brett Yormark making comments you wrote about to mm. Yahoo Sports. Yeah. Saying, hey, kind of doing what the SEC is doing in football. Saying, I'm not sure the best teams are getting into the postseason. Implying the Big 12 has great basketball because there's over two dozen automatic bids. We think some Big 12 teams might be getting left out of the 68 field tournament. My opinion here, Matthew, is that basketball is so much different than football. What makes March Madness awesome is the Cinderella, especially the first weekend. If it just becomes the field of 68 power conference teams, it's not March Madness that we love. No, football, you know, listen, uh, Liberty is unlikely to go and beat Georgia in the playoff. It's fun to have one team in there for football. We don't need half the teams to be that. But basketball is a different sport. One guy gets a hot hand. It's totally different. I appreciate Brett Yormark saying what he says, but man, I do not want to mess with the one good thing the NCAA does, and that's March Madness. I don't either. I I feel like at some point you've just got to say, you know what? You haven't reached the standard. You haven't reached the standard for inclusion of this tournament. It's 68 teams out of... 350 plus division one schools. That's about 25% of the field. I think that's a really good field for a playoff in any sport. I mean, when you think about the NBA, the NHL, half the teams that are in the league get in, it's a little ridiculous to me that, yeah. you know, a team that potentially could be under 500 actually makes the playoffs that rarely, if ever happens in the NCAA tournament, you're talking about a quarter of the teams that are getting into the tournament. You're talking about, 
30 automatic bids. Yeah, they're from smaller conferences, but they have shown the ability to win. And because, you know, I think recruiting and NIL are helping those mid-major teams be more competitive. We saw it with FAU last year in San Diego State, which has been competitive for a long time. That's going to help balance the playing field out a little bit. You're talking about 15 scholarships as opposed to 85. And like we say in football, they can't all go to Alabama. They can't all go to Kansas for basketball. Sometimes they're going to go to other places and they're going to make those programs better. To me, NIL has helped make those mid-majors better to some degree than they were, say, five years ago. I totally agree, man. I think we're on the same page as we usually are. He's Matthew Poston's <laughs> our lead Big 12 basketball writer. You'll be reading him. All week long, as you do each and every week on the website, join our free Heartland College Sports message boards. There's so much going on there, and uh, we appreciate you. Matthew, great stuff as always. We'll be reading this weekend. It's going to be a good slate of games, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right. Thanks, Pete. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo. Hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. Subscribe, and if you're on the podcast, would you take 30 seconds out and leave that five-star rating and review? It helps us tremendously as we get set to flip the calendar to March Madness. Can't believe it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go Big 12.